You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Rated PG-13. <laughs> Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast sponsored by Lono Coffee. Visit LonoCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com, use promo code COFFEE2020 to receive a discount. Their coffee has helped me survive the craziness of the last few months. And we're sponsored by Dizzy Pig Barbecue. Visit DizzyPigBBQ.com, that's D-I-Z-Z-Y, Pig bbq.com use the coupon kime k-e-i-m for a 20 percent discount their seasonings are terrific my family has really enjoyed them today i have a lot of guests for you as i try to bring you some insight from those who watch practice every day so i asked the 10 beat reporters for their take on two questions the biggest camp surprised and the biggest remaining concern with a few other questions sprinkled in on Alex Smith making the roster, Dwayne Haskins, and more. I also run my conversation with ESPN's Jordan Ronan as we complete our look at the NFC East. The interview took place before camp and before the name change stuff, but I felt there was still a good discussion and Jordan shared his take on Washington from an outside perspective. The news kept pushing this interview back. Don't forget, you can read my work on ESPN.com. I told you last time I had a story coming up on Terry McLaurin, but because sometimes the news intervenes and pushes stories back, that's what happened here. So the McLaurin piece will be running any day. Also, check ESPN.com for all of the ESPN and NFL Nation reporters and their 53-man roster projections. That will be coming out soon as well. And before I get to the beat reporter segment, I want to discuss a few things as the rosters must get trimmed to 53 by 4 p.m. on Saturday. There are three tricky players to watch or to figure out. Alex Smith, Ruben Foster, and Bryce Love. I don't think Foster makes it. He just hasn't shown enough. The question is whether or not he gets placed in IR to see if extra time working helps him recover what he once had. He's worked mostly with the threes this summer and really hasn't stood out as he works back from his own very, very tough injury. The same is true for Love. Now, it all depends on whether or not they keep five running backs. I think that is a possibility. Based on our watching practice and in my conversations, Love would be the number five guy right now. I keep telling people how much they like Peyton Barber and they view him as a backup, but a guy who can do everything for them. And Barber, to be honest, has shown more. Love isn't getting slighted. He's just not back to what he was at Stanford. Just being on the field and being healthy doesn't mean you're the same player you once were. They must decide if he can get there. I know some there who really liked him have their doubts. So we'll see what happens. I loved watching the kid in college. I thought I was okay with the pick even though he was hurt. But you got to see what you need in order to keep him and to say that, yes, he could eventually help them. With Antonio Gibson's versatility, I think that lessens a need for a guy like Smith. McKissick can do a lot of things as well. And they do feel, like I said, they feel like Barber can help them in multiple ways. 
As for Smith, and of course Adrian Peterson is going to be the guy. It's on the early down backs or early down carries. As for Smith, my guess is that he ends up on injured reserve. In order to come off IR during the season, you must be placed on IR after the final cuts. So it's conceivable he makes it and then gets put on IR. But according to Pro Football Talk, teams have the ability to activate an unlimited number of players off IR this season and can do so after they've been on there for three weeks. Smith has yet to take snaps and full contact working with less than two weeks before the opener. It doesn't make sense to carry someone on the roster in that situation. Of course, the third QB would be inactive, but you'd also be saving a roster spot for someone who you know can't yet play and who would not be claimed by any other team if he's cut. So I think there's a lot to consider there. I think the other thing is, the other thing is, as far as IR, will they feel like he can get back there? How are you going to know if he's never put in full contact work? So I think that's there's just some tricky things there. It's a remarkable story. Don't ever lose sight of that. I certainly won't. There are a couple of spots left to determine, of course, and I think the last receiver one will be interesting. I think, I think Trey Quinn makes it. He can be used all over, gives them sides in the slot when they don't use Steven Sims. He's also a returner and they like him there. Cam Sims looks like he has the last couple years, which means he'll make some plays in practice and stand out a little bit, but he hasn't really helped them during the regular season. So I think they know what they kind of have in him and know what to expect. However, he can play special teams. And that matters because without preseason games, there's no way to really know how the newcomers will fare in that role. So it could give him an edge over an undrafted guy like Isaiah Wright, for example. I do like Wright. He's got some size and he's strong. Not fast, but he is strong. And I think that will help him out as well. So I think that's one. I think, I think, it, I think it would be one of those two guys for the sixth and final spot if they keep six, which I think they will. So we'll see. Two draft picks I wonder about. James Smith-Williams and Cameron Curl. Both clearly have a shot. Smith-Williams is competing with Jordan Brailford at defensive end. Brailford, of course, was drafted a year ago, didn't play because of a knee. I've, I've liked what I've seen from Brailford in camp. He looks quick off the edge, and he's beating some guys. Now, the guys he's beating are lower, like the lesser-end guys or lower-end, you know, second, third-team types, but he's doing it. Can they sneak him onto the practice squad? Is it hard to stash a, a potential guy, a guy who can potentially help in the pass rush there? That's what they must decide. But he has looked sharp. This is where, and I don't think, and I think Smith Williams has at times too. So that's the question. This is this is where not having preseason games can help, because perhaps they could stash a guy like Brailford coming off a of midseason because of injury. Smith Williams is also has been used at end and also at tackle in some sub package rush situations. That flexibility can help. So I think that's an interesting one. Curl has come on of late over the last week or so, but if he makes it, that would probably give Washington five safeties and perhaps 11 DBs as I think, think they'll keep six corners. But Curl has improved and made plays. And so I think, I think he's, he's been standing out a little bit for, for a guy who is a late round pick. At corner, if they keep a six player, my guess it would be Greg Stroman. He's made plays too. If they keep five, he'd be in a battle with Aaron Colvin. And going back to, to Curl, he's, he could be a guy too that you can stash because I don't know if somebody's going to come up and claim him. Um, and because I think that's a guy where maybe not having the preseason games actually helps them hide him a little bit. But, but again, if, he, you know, if, if they feel he should be on there, then he'll be on there. The offensive line, another one to watch. Um, where they decide what to do with a guy like Joshua Garnett, for example. I think backup tackle remains a definite weakness. Garnett can't help them there. He's a guard. I wouldn't be surprised if they look for someone in the role of a, who can help the backup tackle after the final cuts. 
Um, remember, I think there's still going to be probably a couple spots that you end up changing after those final cuts, depending on who's available. I think rookie Keith Ismail makes it as a backup center guard. By the way, um, like I said, I'll have the projected 53-man roster coming up on ESPN.com soon. In the past, I felt much more confident about projecting certain positions. This season, without being able to have the same number of private conversations as normal with a with a wider base of people or coaches or players, it's a bit harder to project. Tight end, another problem spot. I told you last time I thought Jeremy Sprinkle was in trouble, but the problem is no one aside from Logan Thomas has really been consistent. Marcus Ball looks good one day, drops passes the next. I think Thomas, you know, Hale Henschkes is he can block, not fast. Thomas is not much of a blocker, but he has been catching balls. I do think Sprinkle's special teams of play helps him um, probably win a roster spot. And I think again, these are all things, and that's but I think that's how that's how I think it will go. One last unrelated comment. I was talking to a member of the organization the other day, not in football ops, but someone who deals with Ron Rivera. The same comments that, that he gave me ring true from what others say. The guy loves working with Rivera. He says he calls him accessible, means what he says. He's communicative. And what this employee also said was how bad he feels with all the recent stories coming out about the organization because there are a lot of good people, he said, in the organization. I think that's something that really kind of it hurts a lot of other people there. They want the change they feel Rivera can help bring. And I think it's a matter of getting the right people in the key roles, which they seem to have, and then letting making sure the owner is able to keep that in place by not um, operating as they have in the past. After this break, I'll, I'll play my interviews with, well, every beat reporter. Give them, they, they tell you where to follow them on Twitter, give them a follow. This is the group that is out there every day and has been out there every day for the last couple of years, except for, of course, a couple of the newcomers. If they're not on this list, they haven't been out there every day this summer or in the last couple of years. Welcome back. Now it's time to hear from the reporters closest to the team. Hey, it's uh, Ben Standig with The Athletic. You can find me on Twitter at Ben Standig. Uh, I have to say my biggest surprise at camp, I mean, Troy Apke, the runaway starter at free safety. I thought there'd be a, a real competition with him and Sean Davis. I didn't even think that, actually. I thought Sean Davis, but looks like Apke is the guy. Biggest concern, boy, I mean, the left side of the offensive line, I'm sure this is going to be a repeat answer. but Probably. <laughs> what, what, else, what else can can you say? Big questions about both left tackle, left guard. Uh, I still wonder if they'll make an outside move. But for right now, yeah, big questions at those two spots for sure. How do you feel at receiver? I feel like they must feel they have more hope there than maybe expected, at least because I think Inman's given them a, a veteran guy. And between McLaurin, Sims, and whatever Gandy Golden gives them, I think there's at least upside there. Last thing, um, a lot of expectations for the defense. What are you thinking? I mean, the front line looks fantastic, right? I mean, I still have questions at linebacker, but, it, you know, I don't want to go so far as to say that Chase Young plus the coaching staff can do what the, the what Bosa did last year with San Francisco and, and help them unlock some things. But it has that potential, and it is pretty exciting to see what, what's possible now that we've seen Chase Young out there for a few days. Thanks, Ben. 
Hey, this is Chris Russell from 1067thefansi.com. You can find me on Twitter at Russellmania621. So my biggest surprise in training camp so far, I would have to say, is the guy that's lined up at starting free safety pretty He's much each and every day, one. Troy Apke. He looks not only fast, which we all knew, uh, but physical, and he's taking, it looks like, better angles. He's got to, you know, still obviously get his feet a little bit wet, uh, but I think he's really had an impressive camp. And the biggest concern for me is can this offense scratch out 20 20 points per game. I, you know, if they turn the ball over, obviously they're in trouble. If they can't run the ball, they're in big time trouble. If Terry McLaurin gets hurt, they're in big time trouble. But that's my biggest concern: is can the offense justify enough to help the defense? Can this defense? How good can this defense be? I think this defense can be top ten um, in 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 one ranking or the other, whether it be points per game, which we all know is not just on the defense, or yards per game, which is of course the NFL official measurement. The biggest thing I'm looking for got to get off the field on third down it's got to be in the the mid to upper 30s at the very least last one the hard one is alex is Zach smith going to be on the 53 i think he is going to be on the 53 i don't know if he'll be active on game day with all the different rules and all that stuff uh and usually only having two quarterbacks up i would bet against that but i think he's going to be on the 53. thanks chris thanks john Michael Phillips here, Richmond Times Dispatch. I would have to say my biggest surprise, I thought the receivers would be bad, and they have been, but they've had pass catchers emerge from other areas. Logan Thomas has looked good. Marcus Baugh has looked good. And then at the running backs, obviously, Antonio Gibson, you hear everything that, that he's able to do. They're going to have pass catching options aside from Terry, which I think is a pleasant surprise. Biggest concern right now is finding a rotation with the linebackers. I, you know, I, I think that's a crucial position, and I'm just not sure they have the depth there that they need to go into the season. Do you think the defense will be as good as people think it will be or could be? You know, I, I think the cornerbacks have been better than expected, and I think Landon Collins has taken a big step forward. I think we'll see him get after the passer, which I think will be a, a pleasant surprise. He may have a few sacks by the time this year's over. Uh, and then the defensive line is as good as advertised, absolutely. I think this is a defense that's, that's going to keep these guys in games this year, yeah. Big question, Alex Smith on the 53? Alex Smith will make the 53, then be on IR the next day. He will not play a snap this season. There we go. Thank you, Michael. What up? J.P. Finley, NBC Sports Washington. You can find me at J.P. Finley, NBCS. Uh, the biggest surprise of this camp has got to be Troy Apke, I think. He's come out and, and taken a roster spot. Ron Rivera's talked repeatedly about guys need to take advantage of opportunities, and, and I think Apke's done that. We'll, we'll see if he can really get it done when the games matter, but so far, so good. Biggest concern to me, it's the tackles, um, offensive tackles. We we know what Morgan Moses is, and whether that is a 6 out of 10 or 8 out of 10, whatever you think that is, we know what he is. The other side, we have no idea what Jaron Christian is until he gets on the field, and the depth of tackle is is very worrisome. Right. Yeah. Um, plenty of other concerns on this team, but tackle's a big deal. What are your expectations going in? Do you, I mean, is this... Obviously, we know this is rebuilding. So, what going in? What are you expecting from this team? Not to say the goal, but I think if they can get to six and ten, would be a really positive year. You're doubling the win total, and along the way, I think that would mean you've got some pretty solid quarterback play from Dwayne Haskins. Um, if, if if Haskins proves he's the guy, you get some other young guys to develop in key spots. I think that's a positive year for Washington. I I just don't know what's going to happen. Do you think he'll be the guy, Dwayne? Yes, I, it's about 
limiting the bad stuff because we've seen him do right. good stuff. It's just, can he cut down? I mean, we've seen some jaw drop throws and we've seen some jaw drop bad throws. Yeah. So if he can cut those out, he's got a real chance. Last thing, Alex on the 53. Yes, crazy. Crazy. All right, thanks, JP. Thanks, Scott. Pete Haley with NBC Sports Washington here making my John Kine podcast debut. Hopefully it's not the last stint. Thanks, Pete. As a camp, I think it's going to have to be Troy Apke being the constant starter next to Landon Collins in the secondary. I kind of marched. Okay, I'm copying J.P. Finley apparently as he heckles me from across the way. I had marked Troy down as like a really good special teamer. I thought that was going to be his ceiling. I thought that was going to be what he carved his role in the NFL as, but He's been back there, and I saw it on the first day, and I said, okay, they're just experimenting. Second day, he was there. He's been there all the way through camp, and his physicality has really impressed me. He's he's taken it across the line with that Terry McLaurin hit. They're actually having to dial it back. So Troy Apke is the starting safety has been the most surprising thing, and we'll see now if he's able to maintain that position throughout the regular season. But what about your biggest concern, remaining concern? <sighs> biggest remaining concern is I'm very high on what Dwayne Haskins can do, but I'm skeptical of what his receivers will be able to do for him. We love Terry McLaurin, obviously. I have no qualms about him for the next decade. And I think Antonio Gibson's going to be the second-leading pass catcher and a really intriguing option. But at the same time, the running back being the second-leading pass catcher, I understand that's what this offense kind of wants. But Dontrell Inman, Antonio Ganey-Golden hasn't really done much in camp, in my opinion. I'm just worried that there's not going to be enough weapons. So this defense is going to be able to keep them in games. I think this Ron Rivera style is going to be able to keep them in games. But will they be able to score enough points? I'm still very uh, worried about that. You got a win total at this point? Yeah, six games, and I was driving here. I was really getting amped up about the season. I almost knocked it up to seven just because I think they'll be able to surprise guys early with how this offense works and all the motion and some of these younger players who other opponents will have no real file on. But I keep coming back to the offense, scoring 14 to 17 to 20 points a week, which I think they'll do. I just don't think that's going to be enough. So six games, six and ten, but... In a couple years, I think we'll look back and say this is where hopefully a turnaround kind of began. Last one, Alex on the 53? Yes, Alex on the 53. And I kind of think Alex taking some meaningful snaps at some point. Okay. Yeah. Good. Thanks, Pete. Thanks, Kime. Mitch Tischler, NBC Sports Washington. Um, Talking about biggest surprise at camp, I'm going to stick on the O-line. I think Jaron Christian has been the biggest surprise. I said early on he's – getting the Eric Flowers Award this year, a guy that you expected nothing from coming in, who's turned out to look pretty decent, and granted it's in just a few days of camp. We haven't seen him in any preseason games, but he's looked strong, so he's my guy that uh, that I'm that I'm uh, most impressed with. I love that you went with an O-lineman. Of course I'm going O-line. You know me too well, John. <laughs> so what's your biggest, um, biggest concern going forward? My biggest concern is uh, the receiving core outside of uh, Terry McLaurin. Um, we haven't seen a whole lot of guys make plays. I'm excited about the offense and all the movement that's going to be there and, and get some guys open. But downfield, beyond Terry, I don't know that we've seen a whole lot of catches. And, and I think you're going to have to have somebody who's going to be able to open up the defense on the other side. And, and we just haven't seen that yet. Um, do you have a record prediction at this point? Record prediction right now, I think it's going to be an interesting year. I think early on there's going to be a lot of a lot of uh, stagnation from the offenses just because of the way that this offseason's been. So I think there's going to be some chances for the team to get get a couple W's early on. I'm going to go eight and eight. I'm going to wow. I'm going to be right. bullish, and I think that Jaron Christian and eight and eight. That's I think they're going to I think they're going to get a couple wins early. You, somebody gets a new puppy, and he's all full of all full of optimism. All full of puppy love, baby. <laughs> Thanks, Mitch. 
You've heard me talking about Low Note Coffee for a couple months now. Let me tell you a little bit about who they are and what they're about. Low Note Coffee is based in the Shenandoah Valley, just a nice bunch of people who are open for business during this trying time. Just look at their website, lonoakcoffee.com, and what do they highlight? Their core values of quality, family, transparency. They work with co-op farmers from all over the world to source their beans. They also support small farmers to find the right beans. During this pandemic, one of my saving graces has been grinding my beans from Lone Oak Coffee and taking a few minutes before the day to savor the coffee, get my mind right. Put a little jazz or Frank Sinatra or Louis Armstrong on in the background, it's even better. I've enjoyed all their blends, but among my favorites, the Ethiopian Guji, love the berry flavor, the Mexican Chiapas, and their house blend. Start your day off right with Lone Oak Coffee. Visit LoneOakCoffee.com, that's L-O-N-E-O-A-K, coffee.com. Use promo code COFFEE2020 for a discount. You can thank me later. This is Les Carpenter at the Washington Post. Perhaps my biggest surprise, I would have to say right now, would be Troy Apke, only because I think a couple of years ago everyone had kind of written him off as anyone would be a factor here. And while well, he started playing with the first team, we thought early on in camp, just to kind of see if they could get a look at him there and see who he could play with, he's stuck and he's stuck and he's stuck. So that's an interesting one for me. Uh, as far as the thing to probably be worried about, I think it's depth on the offense, depth on the offensive line, depth at the receiver position, depth at the entire tight end position. Just there's not enough there on, on offense, especially when you're starting to really have some good depth on defense. Do you think Alex makes the 53? Only in maybe a procedural way. Um, but no, he's not going to be one of the two or three quarterbacks that they are on their final roster when they're playing this year. Thanks, Les. Thanks. My name is Nikki Jabala. I'm with the Washington Post. On Twitter, you can find me at Nikki Jabala, N-I-C-K-I-J-H-A-B-V-A-L-A. Let's see, biggest surprise of camp? I'd say one of them is... Troy Apke, just seeing how he's pretty much held firm on that free safety spot. Didn't expect that. I thought there would be more of a rotation with him and Sean Davis, but they seem impressed with I think with everybody what is seen. kind of following that same yeah. path. Yeah, man, that's been yeah. an absolute big surprise. What a, how about a concern? What's your remaining concern? The concern is the offense in general to me, especially the line. I, I'm not... The tackle situation with Sadiq Charles, is he going to be healthy? Um, doesn't appear that they have much depth. And when you think about a new system, young quarterback, you want to give them all the resources you can to help them be successful. And it's a little worried about that going into the season. So i got to ask you, too, because you're new to the beat, coming from mm-hmm. Denver, covering coming, coming at a time where it's been a little bit chaotic. <laughs> a little. What has it been like for you, and especially compared to what you're used to? Yeah, it's been interesting. Um, definitely feel like I've been thrown into the fire, <laughs> but that's that's how you learn too. So uh, it's it's been a lot. Um, the Broncos beat though. There was something every day there too. Not to this extent right. by any means, but um, on the field, watching them cycle through many young quarterbacks in different systems, I do feel like I got a you know a better understanding of kind of what these guys go through on a daily basis and trying to get acclimated. The other thing is, too, you can compare Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins at the right. same road. What have you thought about, you know, just watching Dwayne after having watching 
um, yeah. la- lock last year. Yeah, I mean, two very different quarterbacks. Um, I, th- I thought it was interesting to really see Drew um, last year going through the typical rookie struggles and adjusting to you know, the footwork and the play calls because they're in West Coast like Dwayne was last right. year, and it's a very difficult system to yeah. learn for young quarterbacks. Um, and to kind of see the progression of both, I've kind of, you know, gone back and watched a little bit of what Drew Locke has done in camp, and it's interesting. Guys really do take that year two leap, and you can tell if they're getting it. Um, so, yeah, cool. Thanks, Nikki. Cool. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, this is Sam Fortier with the Washington Post. Uh, this is my first year on the beat. My biggest surprise has been how well John Kime fits in with the dad vibe, a reputation <laughs> that you have with the, uh, with the emoji and the jokes. It's been very impressive. <laughs> I think you just won the battle. <laughs> uh, the, the real biggest surprise I would have to say is um, the amount of pre-snap motion that, that offensive coordinator Scott Turner has used. It, it's one thing to see 75% uh, when you look at his play calling tendencies from Carolina, and it's another to kind of be out there at practice and see, okay, they have you know this two-back set or, or a tight end you know uh, in the backfield, and they have this uh, sort of motion going on, and, and there's so much shifting and adjusting to make those linebackers uh, and to make the secondary kind of adjust to them. So I would say that's been the biggest surprise. Uh, my biggest concern, I think, remains tight end. I think that's the thing that, that we talked about a lot this offseason, mm-hmm. and, and um, obviously Logan Thomas seems to be developing a chemistry with, with Dwayne Haskins out there, but I think when you look after him or even, you know, can he be the blocker that they need him to be, um, I think that position group and, and really if you think the biggest question of this season is can Dwayne Haskins show that he's the franchise quarterback, I think the tight end position is a big part of him answering that question and whether or not he can prove that uh, I think is hampered by by the thinness at that position. What have you thought about his, what did you think about his camp? Because we're done watching, so what have you thought about his camp? Uh, Dwayne. Dwayne's. Yeah, I think obviously the, the early on there was a lot of the mechanical things that we saw, the inaccuracies. Um, but according to what Ron Rivera is saying, they like his progression decision making. So uh, it seems that he's trending upwards. And obviously uh, we're seeing that on the field even behind us. You know, Isaiah Wright just made a nice catch um, on, on a deep route. So it does seem like maybe more as he progresses with these receivers, maybe that's helping a little bit. Um, so I'd say, you know, the. Uh, cautiously optimistic. All right, tell people where they can find you. It's not an 800 number for bookies <laughs> or anything. Tell them where they can find you on Twitter. Uh, you can find me uh, at Sam4TR, the number 4TR, uh, or at the Washington Post. Thanks, Sam. Thanks Thanks so much. I'm Matt Paris with the Washington Times. And where can they find you on Twitter? <laughs> oh, at, at, at Matthew underscore Paris. P-A-R-A-S. Yeah, I like the Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> so, biggest um, surprise from training camp, now that it's all wrapped up. Uh, I'd say maybe the strength of the secondary. It's a position that I thought was going to be a really weak spot, but uh, Ronald Darby has looked really fantastic. Kendall Fuller gives them some versatility, and I think Jimmy Moreland has taken a big step from year one to year two. So, it's a position that was a big question mark, and we'll see how they fit in the field, but it looks a lot better than it did. A uh, couple of months ago. I agree with that. What about your biggest remaining concern? Um, I think actually wide receiver. Um, you know, Terry McLaurin has looked great this whole camp. Steven Sims has been impressive, but there's really no one that's really emerged that spot opposite McLaurin. Dontrell Edmonds looked pretty good, but, you know, Antonio Danny Golden hasn't, looks like he still needs at least a year. Right. Um, and so, you know, without those playmakers around and the offensive line as well. 
You you were here for Dwayne Haskins last year. You've seen him this summer. Have you seen a difference? I, I do, yeah. I, I think he's really kind of accepted the challenge that uh, Ron Rivera has uh, asked of him to do, and he looks really poised, mature. We'll see how it translates to the field, but I think he's done everything the right way. What kind of season are you looking for? Do you have a record? Have you done that yet? Yeah, I think 6-10, and 5-11, okay. and 11, somewhere in there. Just a bit of a growth, but they still have a ways to go. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Rhiannon Walker, The Athletic DC. You can find me on social media at Instant Replay. Replay is R-H-I, play, little play on words. <laughs> <laughs> so biggest, read your biggest surprise after having watched training camp for a couple weeks. I think Troy Apke has been my biggest surprise just after seeing him last offseason and then seeing him in glimpses my first season covering the beat. The fact that he was more hesitant, he was, I don't want to say unsure per se, but it just seemed like he thought too much about what was happening when he was Mm -hmm. out on the field. To see him as the starting free safety, especially after they bring in Sean Davis and kind of knowing because full disclosure, I went to school with Sean Davis Mm -hmm. and had a chance to see him up close and personal. Um, To see him be the free safety with the first team throughout I don't think we saw Sean Davis with the first team at all I could be wrong no I don't think we did I don't think we did at all so he's aggressive he's hard-hitting I think and I'm not saying this like he had some of the hard no he had the hardest hits like he leveled Terry McLaurin which created a whole conversation um with us in the media and then talking to Ron about it and then you know just another conversation with the players I just thought that that was probably the biggest surprise for me because I remember a play last year you might remember uh it was against Cleveland where the ball just like he was kind of there but like he kind of misjudged the yep. ball and like yep. went yep. up and it just yep. was a touchdown Baker Mayfield's first touchdown for um first preseason right. game um or seeing him like not in place to make tackles that has not been the case at all this time and so it's nice to see a guy that is a former fourth round pick um who certainly has the speed to get around the ball and be around the play to actually start asserting himself some more so that's been my biggest surprise personally how about your biggest remaining concern it feels like the left guard just because it seems like they aren't they seem kind of sold on Wes Martin, but then seeing Keith Ismail get with the first team reps twice in the last week, you see a Josh Garnett who they pick up and they right. bring him into the first team situation. It almost seems like they're not 100% sold. Like they're pretty much there, but just not all the Plus way there. Plus, Ron kind of got on him after one practice. Yeah, and that's the other, and that is another great point is that Wes Martin was the one who was called out in that team circle after he announced his um, cancer diagnosis right. and said, like, you have an opportunity. And when you hear someone say, like, you're not taking advantage of your opportunity, that never really sounds good, especially in sports. Um, Right. So for a coach that respects, expects you to earn things and work hard for these things, and even pointed out Jerron Christian was like taking advantage of his opportunity, right. um, that didn't seem to bode too well. And then the following week again, like we see Keith Is- Ismail twice and Josh Garnett. So that's three different first-team reps that Wes Martin didn't take when we initially saw him this week. So I think that's my biggest question mark right now. What about, what about Dwayne? What kind of jump have you seen him make? Um, it's the confidence. I feel like he was more confident at the end of last year. Yeah. I think we all saw that the last four games in particular when Kevin O'Connell, the former offensive coordinator, changed the system around and it was less run-heavy and more quick passes, right. especially that Eagles game, if you remember. Especially that Eagles game. Yeah, that was just such a turnaround for him. And even in the comeback against the Giants, um, you could see the confidence building. And so now it's the it's the command of the huddle. Now it's the knowing he's telling guys where they need to be in his sophomore year as opposed to like having like not necessarily knowing where other people should be. He knows so much of what he's supposed to be doing that now he can actually focus on what other people are doing at this point. Um, and I mean, he's willing to take those big shots. I mean, we've, I think we've seen Kyle Allen take more yeah. big shots, but 
when Haskins has stepped back to deliver that deep ball, it has looked good. I mean, he had one with, what, Trey Quinn yesterday where he was yeah. wide open in the middle yep. of the field. Uh, so I think that's been the biggest thing is the confidence and the knowledge of his own position to the point where he can now help other players get into their proper position. And then what about Antonio Gibson? What are you expecting from for him? He's kind of, he could be fun to watch. Oh my God, is he going to be fun to watch? That's That seems like such an understatement. I mean, yeah. I feel like every single day on Twitter, and that's why I asked him the question yesterday, is just like, how do you escape? Seriously, yeah. like how do you find yourself blocked in and then still find a way to weasel your way out? It's almost impressive, his escapability. He's like a magician. <laughs> um, and then when you have a J.D. McKissick or an Adrian Peterson in the backfield with him, you really don't know what you're going to get out right. of that lineup because it could go to either one of them at any given time. I just he plays through injuries. I mean, we saw him get kicked in the shin and then ran, not ran, but he jogged back over to the lineup and then he catches the pass and he runs up the field for a big gain and everything else like that. He's just a hardworking guy. And he even said it yesterday, I'm never going to turn down more work. So I think he's going to be fun. He's a hard-nosed runner when he needs to get between the tackles. He has the finesse to escape when he has to go outside. I mean, he's just got a lot of tools in his box he can pull out at any given time. You know, it's funny, too, because for a former receiver, I think people see the size and they, they have a different picture of who he was. Mm-hmm. He's got a he's got a lower body that's pretty well built. I mean, it's like for, he's got a, a running back's lower body. Yes, that's another thing. He has tree trunks for legs. Yeah, for, exactly. For real. I mean, thinking about like Saquon Barkley, like you think of how big his thighs right. and legs are. And like, you remember that video of him doing the squat at Penn State? Yeah, yeah. It's like he broke so many tackles last year at Memphis. I mean, he really could be a problem for opposing defense. Absolutely. Thanks, Ray. Appreciate it. After this break, I'll be back with my conversation with ESPN's Jordan Ronan. We talked Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins, among other things. I just wanted to go over the Giants offseason. I'm bringing in Jordan Ronan, covers the Giants for ESPN. And we cover the two worst teams in the division. It's been like that for a couple of years. Probably going to be so like that seem, this so year. Seem like that? So like, this is like the Redskins. The Cowboys and the Eagles, and there's the Redskins and the Giants. So that, and it doesn't seem like that's changed because right now, it goes basically who has the best quarterbacks in the division? It's like Wentz, Dak, whoever you want to rate them. And then like Jones. Haskins, maybe you don't know. Well, let's cross your fingers. You hope they're really good, but until they right. you know that, it, that, that's the way it shakes out. That's the way it shakes out. And it's funny because obviously, three teams in this division have changed coaches, but Mike McCarthy's yeah. taken over a team that was pretty good in Dallas or yeah. should be pretty good. The guys, Joe Judge, Ron Rivera, not taking over playoff teams right now. So, what had what have you what have you thought? In general, what have you thought about the Giants' offseason? I thought that they still feel like they're in the middle of a rebuild, right? They made some moves. They needed some play, like they needed some defensive players. So they went and they signed James Bradbury. They went and they signed uh, Blake Martinez, right? That's a guy, Blake Martinez, who they feel can be their middle linebacker, right? They can call perfect. But they right. still have more pieces they need to add. They still don't have much of a pass rush. They don't have a, a real pass rush. I mean, right. the Redskins have probably, you know, a good three guys that are better than any Giants pass rusher. Maybe more if you count the interior right. linemen, right? Because, I mean, the Giants aren't great there right. either. So right. <laughs> they really – it's something that you realize when you look at their offseason – they made some moves. They got better. But this is a multi-year process that they're in the midst of. And 
they're probably a year or two behind, or they are a year or two behind of where they should be because they didn't go and they didn't start to rebuild two years ago. And they're paying for it now. Like, okay, they should, they, they should be better. It doesn't mean they're going to be a better record. The whole division has tough schedules, right? But it, but right. they, they're at least heading in the right direction, right? They have the young quarterback. They have uh, the young running back to build around. They, they have now their left tackle that they just drafted this year. So these are building block type pieces. They have a lot of young defensive players now. None of them are special or real difference makers yet, or like even pro bowlers. But there's a bunch of guys you can hope develop into that. So they're finally trending in the right direction, at least. Well, I think it's funny because the Redskins are kind of in a similar position where you can look and say, well, they've got this. They do have that the pass rush, the defensive line. I think their defense could be pretty good. But then you look at offense and there's so many questions, you know, with, how good will Dwayne Haskins be? Do they have, did they add any playmakers? There's some guys with potential, but they're question marks. So there's a lot, I think, but they know same thing. Like what you're saying, I'm sure they're looking at both the same way that this is almost a gimme year for them where they get a chance to see, of course you want to go out and try and win, but what they're really trying to do is see what they see, the foundation they can lay. And you can and see it. Build on Rivera, same with Joe judge. When you have new coach, and new leadership, they got want to bring in their own guys, right? Bill Parcells used to be like that too, right? Joe Gibbs, when he returned, he did that. You want to, you need to bring in, you need to bring yeah, in your guys, down. and that that doesn't happen overnight. You don't just have your choice of all your guys. They still, a lot of these guys are on other teams' rosters. They can't, you can't just make it happen overnight, right? To get the kind of guys you want to have the system and the culture that you're trying to build, that Ron Rivera is trying to build, it takes time. It's going to take a couple of years. It's going to take a couple of years for Joe Judge to bring the whole Bill Belichick, uh, Nick Saban way of, of living right. and working. Because let's be honest, that's the way the Giants are trending right now. They're, gonna, they're in that boat where they have a coach, and their entire organization is now going to be one of these teams that's going to try and do what the Patriots have done. Right? Because Joe Judge... That's what he brings to the table. He's worked under Nick Saban and Bill Belichick. That's how he thinks. All Most of their beliefs are now his beliefs. He's seen them work. Why wouldn't he think that that's the, way, the best way to operate? Now he has to put his own little flair and his own little twist on things, but that's what the Giants are these days. What's been your early – I know the hard part is, like, I'm around a new coach, you're around a new coach, and unless you watch them on the field, it's hard to get a great feel for them. But you can get a little bit of feel from talking to people about how they're dealing with inside the building. What have been some early thoughts and impressions? Yeah, from I really, Joe Judge? right before every the whole world shut down, we were we got to go to the combine, so I did get to spend some time with him there. And it's pretty easy. I mean, this is a guy when you you could talk to him for five minutes, and you could see, not he's a guy who's going to be straight up honest and tell you how he feels. He's not going to sit there and hide his feelings. He's going to be straightforward about everything. And you can tell he's a strong personality. He's not going to sit back and let Dave Gettleman handle all the personnel decisions. He's going to be involved. Joe Judge is not that you can tell. His personality is not the kind of guy who's going to sit back and, you know, just soak it all in and, and, and make decisions later and be patient and quiet. He is going to speak what is on his mind. And the reviews from players so far, I mean, I spoke to some guys last week. Because I wanted to see, how are the Giants handling 
the whole issue of social uh, social injustice, right? How are they handling Black Lives Matters, the protests? And the reviews that I got from players on Joe Judge, I mean, that wasn't what I was going. I didn't ask them about Joe Judge, but uh, several guys went out of their way to mention he gets it. He knows how to deal with people, right? He, he know, he's open and honest. He's listening to what they're saying. The reviews were really just through the roof. They were, he had rave reviews for the way he's handled it, like above and beyond even what the players have expected. And that, that's a positive sign to me because when you see the Matt Patricias in the world, you see uh, Josh McDaniel, his first go-around, Eric Mangini, yeah. uh, Romeo Cornell. For the most part, these guys have gone in and said, I'm going to do it my way. I'm going to do it the Belichick way. I don't give a crap what any of you guys say. Right. And they're not good. And they just did whatever they wanted. And guess what? It backfired for them. It's great if you win Super Bowls like Bill Belichick. Right. But it blows up in your face if you don't. Because you, the way you speak to people, the way you handle people, this isn't college. These are professionals. You have to deal with them differently. I think that Joe Judge realizes that. That's my early impression. And that he's able to interact with guys in a way where he's not going to alienate them by coaching them hard, by speaking his mind. It's a very fine line he's going to walk. And that's going to be the key. How does he manage yeah. that fine line? And so far, granted, they haven't stepped on the field yet. So far, there are a lot of things right. you see. And you're like, I can see this guy being a really good head coach. Obviously, you know, the other thing that's going to be connected to the success is Daniel Jones and his development. What did you see? You know, I, we've talked a lot before about this in the past. What did you see from him last year that he can build upon? And obviously, the number one thing he has to get rid of yeah. are the turnovers or improve. How can he improve those? And like, you know, because some guys are prone to those. Some guys you can learn is it okay? That's a learning thing, whatever. Yeah. So I've what do what do you a think lot there? Of people about this because there is a lot you saw from Daniel Jones that you liked last year. He made throws. He could made, made like he can make every throw, right? Uh, he can run. He can move around. There's a lot to like. He made a lot of plays. So what I think we know is that Daniel Jones is at least going to be an average to above average quarterback. Now, that's a success in to a degree because a lot of these guys, and you know, you have Dwayne Haskins. Nobody really knows what he's going to be right now. You have a little hope, but he right. could be a bust or he could be a great quarterback. We don't we don't know yet. There's a lot of guys, even if they're drafted right. in the top five, top ten, that are busts. So to know that at least Daniel Jones, okay, we kind of realize his floor is going to be average starting quarterback a little bit above average starting quarter, which is pretty good. You got bust out of the way. So you know he's passing. Now it's okay. Right. Let's see how much he can improve and to what level, to what degree right. of a quarterback. Can he be end up being a top 10 quarterback? Can he be a top five quarterback? I mean, that depends on how much better he gets. And like you said, that starts with the turnover. Right. Because that was the biggest thing. You knew every game there was going to be a turnover or two. And you can't live like that consistently in the NFL. You just can't. The fumbles were crazy, uh, 18 fumbles. I mean, it's a, it's a crazy number. So, got to improve. And he's said to be working on that. But that's the one thing when you talk to people. And you talk to people around the league, the one concern you talk to real football people, I'm talking scouts, personnel, executives, general managers, is how much of that pocket presence, that pocket feel, is an innate thing 
How much right. is that? Some people believe that's not really something you're going to improve on. Now, is he going to improve on the turnovers? Naturally, yes, right? Quarterbacks, their rookie year, are going to make more mistakes. The game's moving quickly. They're seeing things they've never seen before. The guys right. are, are bigger, faster, stronger. They're coming after them. So, yeah, naturally that should shrink to a degree. And he will get better in that regard. But if he doesn't have that feel for the pocket, if it's not a natural thing, if it's not a – it doesn't turn – if it's it's not basically a strength, it's hard to be a great quarterback in this league. So I think real that's hard where we sit with Daniel Jones. And really, what's going to be interesting, and we've we talked about this before, it's still going to be all right. Which of these guys in the end ends up being the the better quarterback or the great quarterback? We it, it definitely will be that. It definitely is going to be interesting to watch. And obviously, the Giants had the choice between the two. But it's still both guys are going to still determine pretty much the next five years and of the franchise. John Rivera successfully jumped Haskins a little bit right now. I don't think it, this yeah. is not a closed case, and this is nothing against Daniel Jones or Dwayne Haskins. I mean, no. I was speaking to uh, for a podcast episode with uh, Dan Rolowski, and he admit he wasn't that high in Daniel Jones coming out. He saw some things that he really liked this right. past year. Uh, but I asked him, I said, okay, you know, I gave him Daniel Jones or enlisted all these other quarterbacks. One of them was Dwayne Haskins. He was still saying if he had to start a team right now, last year Haskins was ahead, right, coming into the going into the draft, Jones was below. Now, to him, it's pretty much a coin flip. They're about even based on what he saw from college and what he saw as rookies. And, and I think for him, and I – and it's funny because he he been trying to get him on and, and it's been a hit. It's we've missed, we've misconnected on that. But I know from from him from listening to him, I'm guessing it's as much because Jones rose in his eyes more so because he still remains seemingly yeah. high on Dwayne Haskins. So I think it'll be yeah. fun to it'll be fun to watch if they're both good, because then it makes these teams relevant again. It makes you and I relevant maybe at some point. Um no, but which would which would be different. He also gets a new guy to help him with Andrew Thomas. Big, big, big pickup, right? Here's the thing. The Giants, in order to be a good team, this year, even next year, probably the year after, their success is going to rest on how good their offense is. Right? This is a team that's going to have right. to be carried by their offense. You know why? Look, you want to you hear the, their last three first-round picks, top six picks, right, where – Running back, quarterback, offensive tackle. And even the year before was Evan Ingram, tight end. So if you're investing right. and putting all your resources into that side of the ball, that, that side of the ball better be good. You better be. Well, it'll be the last thing, too, because you got the one guy who we haven't talked about is Saquon Barkley. With Jason Garrett coming, does that – I don't know that it changed anything for him because – but do you think his usage will be more based on how Garrett used Elliott in Dallas? I, he was he was used pretty heavily, I think, his first few years when he played. But yeah, I that's what I said. I don't know if it's good. The Giants offense, I mean, when you say run heavy nowadays, it's kind of a distorted term, right? Because even if you're run heavy, right. you're closer to 50-50. If you're 50-50, you're a run heavy team. Right. So, but they're going to be right. more run focused than most teams in the league. I, I really do believe that. Uh, with Jason Garrett, it's even going to be more of an emphasis. 
And yes, so Saquon Barkley, he's going to be an even bigger part of the offense. They don't have that surefire guy behind him either. I mean, Deion Lewis, they signed this offseason. He's more of like a change of pace right. kind of guy, but he was guaranteed zero dollars. So he's not even given, you know, guaranteed a spot on the roster. So the Giants, it's not like they have that guy behind him who's going to come in and really take his playing time. Saquon Barkley is going to be the the, the guy as long as he's healthy. And he's going to get the ball. And the Jason Garrett offense, he's going to be that Zeke. It's going to be more outside zone probably getting him into space uh, like they tried to do there in Dallas. And uh, that's I think you should expect a lot from that kind of stuff from Jason Garrett and Saquon Barkley. Jordan, okay, that it's really weird to be talking about the Giants and we and even mentioned Eli Manning, and it's that is just we really, really to weird side. to think. And I know, I know, but I appreciate you coming on, and hopefully we have a season to write about, and maybe these teams will be a little bit more interesting this year because the last couple of years have been a disaster. I'm sure we'll be doing this next year and a year after, and we'll be doing the Daniel Jones and and Dwayne Haskins comparison over and over yeah. again. And hopefully it's one of those where they're both good and winning, and we can sit there and argue back and forth for years over which of the which is the better quarterback, and, and you know, until one of them does what Eli Manning does and crushes the the debate with by win, by winning the Super Bowl yeah. too. Yeah, that, and I, I listen. It would be fun to have that because it'd be a different narrative for me, especially because if you have a, I mean, covered a couple quarterbacks who have had good years. But there's never been this. I haven't covered a guy with a sustained run. So you know, I think has I think Haskins has a Haskins has matured a lot in this offseason. I'm really curious to see what he does on the field, though. And but everything I've heard in the offseason has been really good. That he kind of made up his mind that there were things he needed to change. So we'll see. That's that's a good place to start. And it would be fun to have well, that comparison. A, a, a much really more a much fairer chance. I mean, we saw that that first game when he played, played the Giants. And he came in, right? He didn't even take any snaps that week. Like, you know, I, I, you, you, you almost felt well, for him that day, even just sitting there watching it. It's like that was so unfair I'm, to him from an outsider perspective. That I mean, you're just like, I, you, you just shake your head. I'm pretty sure my thought on that is that Jay Gruden thought he was getting fired after that game, and he was going to show people how far he was still from being. You know, and who's fight. the casualty of all that? Dwayne Haskins, right? I mean, yeah, no. Guy, and, he was the casualty and, of that because that, it is. That's, not, that, that's not what you want to do to a young quarterback or any quarterback. It was, it was, a, it was a bad spot to no. put in for, my, for a rookie quarterback. He was put into a bad spot. He was put into a bad spot. And I think you'll see his toughness and his resiliency based on how he handles the start of his career, because if you can overcome going to an organization where, you know, the coaches didn't want you necessarily or didn't want you at 15 and where there's, you know, some level of, you know, controversy around you. And then you have this pandemic and this and that you can overcome this and have a good career. There's something about you. If they got like some people like uh, David Carr was ruined, remember, because he just got blasted and, 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 you know, they ruined his career. They stunted his development. If you're a great player and a great quarterback, you basically overcome you find all a way. that. You and you make all these people who put you in these bad decisions. You end up making them look good because you're just that good. I mean, Deshaun Watson is one of my examples for that. Look at Deshaun. He's had 
an right. awful offensive line for the first what three or four years, yes. three years of his yep. career. And he's if you're that good, it just you just shine through that. I mean that that so you come in that position. Yeah, session, you, you, uh, we'll, we'll find out a lot about Dwayne Haskins this year, even though he doesn't have the weapons. Yep, and I think that's. Not yet. And I think, you know, he has a couple. I think it'll be interesting there because I think McCorn obviously very good. They have some, I think Steven Sims, their slot guy, I really like. But they, but everything else is just, we'll see. And I, there are a couple parts that say, oh, yeah, I like this about this guy. Yeah. But you don't know, as an outsider, you know. And so it's just, outsider, there's a lot of we'll see. You say, okay, from the Giants' perspective, they're going to play them twice a year. There's nobody on the offense that you're looking at and saying, we need to stop this guy. That guy, we is a guy. We right. have to stop this guy. We have to have two guys on him at all time, or multiple. Put all our attention towards this guy. Terry McLaurin maybe turns out to be that guy, but you like to have that guy. And when you look around the Redskins roster, like the Giants have Saquon Barkley. Even when Evan Ingram's healthy, Evan Ingram's a guy. Right. You can't just forget about it. He, you need multiple guys. You know, you have to put a lot of attention to stopping him when he's healthy. He's a dude. So you need multiple guys right. like that. And, uh, you do. And they and they have guys that they think could become one of those guys, but you can't go into the season thinking right. they are those guys. That's, that's the thing. So, defense, like I said, I, I like – right. That's what I'm saying. Like, defensively, they have those guys. They could build a, a really good defense. I think they may need some help in this – you know, we'll see what their corner situation is like. But I think they have the start on that side of the ball. So they're going to be a run-heavy offense, I think, with relying on their defense. But that's what I thought the start of last year, too. And it didn't – you know, they turned out they didn't really have anything. I thought the so. Giants were going to run Saquon 700 yeah. times. No, and, and they didn't. They were <laughs> flinging the ball around with Daniel Jones by week three. Yeah. So – but I do – you know, like I said, I mean, with their – I think they have guys that, again, just like with the Giants, you bring in some guys in their deep, some of the guys in the draft picks, you know, McKinney and all that. You think, okay, this guy could do this, but you don't know. I mean, I don't know. They're, I like this Antonio Gibson, a running back from Memphis. I like the versatility he has. I like the third down back they signed, J.D. McKissick. But you've got to see him in this offense. You've got to see, you know, can do they do the left tackle? They have to fill that spot. You know, who's going to be their left guard? There's a lot of, you know, they don't really have a, a weapon at tight end that you say, okay, you got to. So I think there's a lot to be answered. You know, I think it's as they know, just like we go back to the beginning, they knew it would not be done overnight. And the one thing it sounds like the Giants do, and the one thing they want to do is the phrase I always heard this offseason was build it right. We want to build it right. And that means don't go, don't spend all your money just to get a guy now. Don't trade your pick, don't trade to get picks and pass up on Chase Young just because you need more help. Get the elite guy, build around those guys. So, and that takes some time. So, that's where we're at. Rebuild. The perpetual rebuild. There you go. It's it's at least it's more interesting than being stuck in that seven and nine, nine and seven range where it's like, I don't think yeah, they're gonna be any had, better than nine and we seven. Had, we had the this one now it's like you know, you know which was which was painful. It was it was clearly over years ago and it lasted probably two or three three years after it should have. And when you get stuck there and right. you, you know, you guys have been stuck in the uh all right, we got Alex Smith, who was a good quarterback and then he got injured, you know, but he you weren't going to ever win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith. They couldn't win a Super Bowl with Alex Smith right. in Kansas City. 
good guy, good player, but you right. need the perfect team around him probably, right? Even in his prime. So yep. you know you're really stuck yep. in no man's land. That's yep. the worst. At least you scrap it, you build with Yeah, it is the worst. That's you could feel the fan bases I think can feel we're doing the right doing it the right way here now. We're headed in the right direction. Well, and also with that comes a level, a different level of hope that maybe this guy is the one because you knew certain other guys you didn't think could do it, but maybe this guy develops into that, and there's some mystery around it which leads to intrigue, which is at least interesting. And so, like maybe they struggle early on, but do you play well at the end of the year? If so, what does that mean? And if you're in your middle of your career, it could mean that you're just an up and down quarterback. Young guy could mean you're ascending. So right. I think there's a lot of intrigue. Or at least interesting uh, angles to what yeah. you and well, I are going to both Giants cover this year. Four and twelve, and Daniel Jones turned the ball over like you know left and right. But you saw all you need is all you need at that point is flashes, right? Just give me some flashes to give right. to provide hope that okay he can be really good, and that, that's really where they're at. Yep. Anyway, all right, Jordan. Well, it's we'll good. It good, soon, good discussion guys. there. Nice talk football. All right. Hopefully we'll hopefully we'll have a lot of football to talk Anytime, about this man. year, man. Thanks a lot. All right. See ya. When I grill or cook in the kitchen, I usually like to grind my spices fresh. The ones I make at home just taste better. But I've changed my strategy up a bit to use Dizzy Pig Craft Seasonings. Based in Manassas, Virginia, they grind their spice combinations daily, and it's easy to see why they've built a loyal following over the past 20 years. Dizzy Pig owner Chris Capel has won 15 championships on the Pro Barbecue Tour using only their products. And I've heard from other pitmasters on the Barbecue Tour that insist on Dizzy Pig. If it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. Among the ones I've really enjoyed, the Raging River and Wonderbird. Both are excellent on chicken. The Cow Lick is amazing on beef and their popular Dizzy Dust is truly all-purpose. But with 27 different blends, there is a seasoning for just about any recipe or cooking technique. Get 20% off your online order shipped in the U.S. if you use the coupon KIND, that's K-E-I-M, at DizzyPigBBQ.com. That's D-I-Z-Z-Y Pig BBQ.com. That's it for this episode. Don't forget to support our sponsors, Lono Coffee and Dizzy Pig Barbecue. It's how we can help the show grow. And thank you, as always, for listening. Tune in next episode when I'll have a conversation with safety Landon Collins, talking Sean Taylor, the new defense, Ron Rivera, and more. Talk to you next time.